And I want to give honor to my bishop. I FaceTimed him on the way to church. Um, he didn't hear that from me. But um, anyway, I actually called him, and he FaceTimed me. He hit the FaceTime button because he likes to FaceTime. And uh, I, I got this much. Was, this was what was on camera. And his prophet eyes were looking right down at me. He was doing like this. He said, Happy Father's Day. And we had a good conversation. He is, um, he, he, he amazes me. 70, he's fixing to be 79 on the 21st. He'll be 79 years old. He's traveling full time as a minister. He just closed a 13 day, 13 straight days of revival in Kansas and then drove however far that is home. Uh, I don't know, 12 or 14 hours, however far it is. And uh, he is preaching at our home church this morning uh, for Father's Day. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, he has his one-year follow-up test and examinations and all of that from the bout that he had with uh, cancer. And we're just believing for perfect reports. Amen. Strong as an ox. Strong as an ox. He will be here the third week of July. And uh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to do uh, Tuesday night. He's going to preach Tuesday night to LC of that week. Wednesday night at Hope. Thursday night here. Sunday morning. Sunday night. Tuesday night at LC in the gym. Wednesday night at Hope. And Thursday night again here. And at first I had... I had I was trying not to wear him out. I said, Bishop, you just, you know, come in whatever you want. We can hang out. We can eat, chat, drink coffee, whatever you want to do. And uh, he said, well, when, when are we having church? I said, well, Sunday. And I said, if you, if you want to preach on Thursday, you can. He said, okay, so Thursday and Sunday. And I said, yes, sir. He said, that, that's all. And I said, if you want to preach, we'll load you down. He said, well, what, what else am I going to do? And so <laughs> I, I'm thrilled. How can you not love that? And uh, so we're going we're gonna to have one, one Sunday, but really two weeks of, of revival. It'll be fire. And then, and then when he leaves, he'll be done on Thursday of that week. And then he'll leave on Friday. And Brother Shelton will come in on Saturday. And be with us on the 1st and on the 8th. And so those are going to be three very powerful weekends. We're excited about that. And, and I also want to honor my father. He passed away when I was 28. And for the sake of time, I won't take all the times I could uh, say about him or all the things I could say about him. But a great prophet of God. Nobody like him. I love him, miss him, and looking forward to seeing him again one day. I can wait a few minutes uh, for that to happen, but one day, 
we'll all rejoice together. You can be seated. We're thankful for our guests today. And amen. Thank you for being here. Um, I, I do have to say that the video was not accurate. It was, it was, there was no truth to that at all, at all. But Sister Janice thought that there was. So I don't know, maybe uh, Tim and I need to have a conversation. Uh, he, his mind apparently goes off and she recognized that. Now, how many of you could identify with that, men? That was good. Sister Janice can. Uh, she's still the only supporter of the whole video. Uh, but anyway, uh, I want to honor our, our ministers and uh, wish them a happy Father's Day today. And Brother Bright, we love our platform ministry and we honor them today. Now, I, I, cannot, I cannot have a Father's Day without some dad jokes. And as I was reading these, the only thing that I could hear channeling through my mind was the voice of Bill Swartz. <laughs> and I, I, I think I'm not, I'm not good at this. Like I, I, last night when I was pulling these and I was thinking, why didn't I plan for Brother Swartz to come up here and tell these dad jokes? He, he and Brother Gladner have always had the best dad jokes on on Facebook, they get the award for that, but I'll tell a few, and um, you know, just if you can just imagine Brother Swartz's voice uh, telling these, it'll be helpful. I've got like five of you over there that get it, that understand it, but uh, he he is hilarious, and brother and brother Clinton is is good at relaying um, jokes and funny stories and all, but. Uh, one, one said, I, I'm afraid for my calendar because its days are numbered. <laughs> my wife said I should do lunges to stay in shape. That would be a big step forward. They're dad jokes, folks. <laughs> Why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they're golfing? In case they have a hole in one. <laughs> Singing in the shower is fun until you get soap in your mouth and then it's just a soap opera. <laughs> what do a tick and an Eiffel Tower have in common? They're both Paris sites. Paris sites. Tick. And an Eiffel Tower for the slow people. If April showers bring Mayflowers, what do Mayflowers bring? Pilgrims. Thank you, dads. Thank you, dads. Do y'all know the one about Will Smith? I don't have it here, but I didn't tell it because y'all know that one. How do you follow Will Smith in the snow? Follow the Fresh Prince. Not, not everybody will get that. Not everybody will get that, but. <laughs> I don't know why that strikes me so funny every time. Then the song starts going in my head, and you don't want to hear this guy singing that song, so. I thought the dryer was shrinking my clothes. 
turns out it was the refrigerator all along. What do you call a factory that makes okay products? A satisfactory. That one barely got there. Okay products, a satisfactory is a factory. This one, this one, it's, it's short, but I like it. Dear math, grow up and solve your own problems. <laughs> what did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? Supplies. I hate that all of y'all knew that. Who said that? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Jaron is like a well... Jaron, Jaron is going to receive the mantle of Brother Swartz very soon. That's for, that's for sure. Why do seagulls fly over the ocean? Because if they flew over the bay, we'd call them bagels. Anyway. Just a little dad fun. Corny jokes. Dad loves, dads love corny jokes. I want to talk to you, uh, thank you, Brother Bright, but I want to talk to you this morning about godly dads, godly dads. If you've been paying attention at all, not only in this country, but around the world in this era of time and for some time now, but it seems to be escalating very rapidly, manhood is under attack. Manhood is under attack. Manhood is being redefined. It's being re-exampled. It is being diminished. It's being ostracized as if it's a bad thing. Today's sitcoms, which I don't watch, but they portray men as immature boys that don't have enough sense to get in out of the rain. That's intentional. Fathers are portrayed in commercials, different other kind of genres of shows, as beer-drinking, football-watching, irresponsible goofballs. And it's not that men don't care about sports. It's not that men in the world don't do some drinking. But it is a deliberate and intentional message that is being propagated to our world to pervert the structure and the order of God. And of course, God is always portrayed as a he. And it is an absolute attack upon God himself. And I'm here to tell you that masculinity makes a difference. It makes a difference. Now, it, we're, not, we're not talking about men just you know, walking around and kicking furniture out of the way and, you know, 
puffing their chest out and flexing their muscles and and all of that. But just that strong, unmovable, unbreakable, foundational, I'm established. I know who I am. My shoulders are broad. I'm not afraid of the storm. Masculinity. Masculinity makes a difference. 63% of suicides are from fatherless homes. 63% of suicides are from fatherless homes. Now, you single mothers, just hang on just a few minutes. 90% of all runaways are from fatherless homes, 90%. 85% of all children with behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 75% of all teen drug abuse patients in treatment centers are from fatherless homes. And 85% of all young people in prison, 85% of all young people in prison are from fatherless homes. Masculinity makes a difference. And true fatherhood, the role of a true fatherhood, father makes a difference. These statistics confirm along, of course, with the Bible the extreme importance of the father's role in a child's life. It is not just important, it is imperative, and it is necessary. And no wonder the devil works to diminish the importance of it. Fathers in today's world are expected to keep their mouth shut, stand in a corner, don't interfere, don't intervene, go along with the plans and do what they're told. And that is an attack of the enemy trying to destabilize the home. I'm not against females, obviously. This is not a chauvinistic remark, but I am for femininity. I am not for brashness in females. They are created and they are called to femininity. They are not called to be doormats. They are not called to be abused. They are not called to be taken advantage of. But there is a power to a woman's femininity. And for hundreds of years, there has been a pressure on our society to raise the, the masculinity of women. To, to turn their affection toward other women, to be the leader of the house. And a lot of that is because there is such a high statistic of single mothers in our, in our world today. The enemy began by attacking marriages, and then he's been working to redefine the roles of men and women and make the woman the head and the man the paycheck, and of course, women work today as well. The mother's role is equally important in terms of intimacy and care and nurture toward the child. And unfortunately, 
people are forced, uh, ladies are forced into a role of being both the mother and the father when they are in a single mother's household. Now, when I read these statistics about dads and what it means to have a strong father in the home, I know there's got to be some single mothers out there that think, well, I mean, there's really no hope for us. But this is what I will say. God is the greatest father of all. And he has a way of making single mothers the exception to the rule. And that's also why the church is so important. I look around this place this morning and there are strong men that, that spend time with children. And they're pure. And they, they have the right motives. And they are there to, to build the self-esteem of a young boy or a young girl, young lady. And because of the church, single mothers have the opportunity to bring their son or daughter into the house of God, to be ministered to by the pulpit, to have the word of God preached to them, to have a student pastor that will example the way of fatherhood in their life and a pastor and other men around the church that will spend time with them and help them to find their self-esteem and their self-confidence. I'm thankful for the structure that is the church with God as our father, that there is a fatherly influence in the church. Is that all right? The father's role becomes more important as the child gets older and the child begins to look to the father as their role model in making decisions and adopting values. Self-esteem, unfortunately, can only go so far being built by the mother. The father has to be the voice of affirmation. He has to be that voice of security in the home to remind the young boy that he's going to grow up to be a strong man, that he's going to be a faithful and true husband, that he's going to treat his wife right, that he's going to work hard, that he's going to be supportive of everything that his children do. That voice of the father putting that confidence in the young boy will raise a healthy husband and father in the next generation. To the young lady, uh, the father helps her to understand her beauty and what she means and her dignity and that she doesn't have to give herself away to be accepted. She doesn't have to cross boundaries or allow young men in her life to cross those boundaries to be accepted and to be beautiful. It's important that every father is using the power of their voice to bring affirmation to their sons and daughters to perpetuate self-esteem, confidence, and security in the next generation. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Indifferent, absent, and inadequate fathers make the maturation of the process, um, maturation process harder for the child. We don't need any more absent fathers, and we don't need any more fathers that, that are not interested in being involved in the lives of their, of their children, even when they get older. And we don't need inadequate fathers. 
The Word of God gives us example after example after example in the Old and the New Testament of what it means. We have examples of true fathers in the Word of God, and of course, God is the greatest example. Studies done by several Christian denominations show that if a father does not go to church, even if the mother does, only one in 50 will become a worshiper. If the father does not go to church, even if the mother does, only one out of 50 children, this is according to studies, only one in 50 will become worshipers as an adult. Now, again, to our single mothers, God can make you the exception to the rule. But don't give in to your children when they want to stay home. Well, they're older now. Well, the question is, are they living under your roof? You're living under my roof, you're going to get in my car or get in your car, and we're going to the house of the Lord. If we don't become disciplined and disciples in the kingdom of God, we have no hope in this world, and we have no hope in the world to come. Where the father attends church, even if the father does or the mother does not, 66% of children will attend church when they get older. If the father attends church, even if the mother does not, 66% of children will attend church. If both mom and dad attend church, 75% of children will become regular attenders and worshipers when they get older. The role of the father and the role of the mother are so very crucial to the development of every phase and stage of the child's life. God gave us the, the biblical example, and if we will follow it, God will raise up young men and young women that will do amazing things, be successful in this life, and they will be saved and be a part, a vital part of the kingdom of God. The role of being a godly father is not optional. It's not a luxury. It is necessary. And how we live in front of our kids. Now, let, let, me, let me say this. Being a male does not make you a man. And producing children does not make you a father. We misinterpret that. If there's a moment between a man and a woman and a child comes out of that, but the man is never in that child's life or is inadequate or is absent or wants nothing to do with the child, that doesn't make them a father. Well, that's my dad. That doesn't make them a dad. That, doesn't make, that means they had a relationship with a woman. Amen. But many times people punish the child. The court systems punish the child by putting the child under the jurisdiction of a dad who is inadequate, absent, and wants nothing to do with the child. And all it does is cripple the future development of the children. Amen. So men in the church, don't just be a dad to your natural children. But be an example to all children everywhere. 
in the church and outside of the church. Be a man that is in the business of developing the self-esteem of every child. Don't, don't, ever, don't ever be privy to crushing a child's self-esteem. Build them up. Tell the boy he's strong. Tell him he's handsome. Tell him he's talented. Tell him he's going to be successful. Tell him you believe in him. Listen to him. Give him a fist pump, a, a thumbs up, a handshake, an arm around the shoulder, a punch on the shoulder. Not a hard one, but you know what I'm saying. But be a, be a man to him. Show him what masculinity looks like. It is important that men understand their role in the world and in the church. Now, in that, you know, I know men, we men can be a little disconnected at times. And we have a singular focus. Now, ladies, if you haven't figured this out, we, we are not, we can't do a thousand things like you. We, we have to focus on one thing. We have a singular focus. And we are, I'm, boy, I'm really getting some tickled people in here right now. We have a singular Focus and all you ladies that are trying to change that, you're fighting against nature. You're fighting against nature. It's not meant to be changed because when a man focuses on something singular, he will see it through and he will make sure that it gets done right and the product that it is supposed to produce and the outcome that it's supposed to have. Well, he didn't do it when I wanted to. You know, it's been, it's been three months I've been talking to him about it. Yes, but when he gets to it and when he focuses on it, it's going to get done and it will get done right. And that includes raising children. Men, you, you have to focus and you do have to be intentional about raising your sons and daughters and your grandchildren when they're young and when they're old. Those times you, you may not be talking 9,000 words a minute every hour of the day, every day of the week. But those moments when you offer that one sentence or that 10-minute conversation, that, that, that interaction that is, has a singular focus, those words carry so much power in the lives of boys and girls sons and daughters and so we have to have a relationship with them now a relationship is not is not love and say well i i love my kids well that's that's not a relationship the equation or the formula for a relationship is love plus time equals relationship love plus time equals relationship men spend time with your kids. Spend time with them. Are you here? Now, you are a parent. And because of that, it is not their job. It is not the child's job to enter into your world. It is your job to enter into their world. Well, my son doesn't want to have anything to do with me. My daughter won't have anything to do with me. It, that's your job to fix that. That's not the child's job to do that. Well, you don't know what they've done. It doesn't matter. You brought them into this world. It is your job 
to get involved and to insert yourself into their life, whatever that looks like, whatever you have to do to make that happen. Is that okay? Now, I, I just want to, I'm not going to be much longer. I, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes about leaving a legacy. A godly father leaves a legacy. Now, you may not have had a lot of wealth in this world. You may not have a lot of real estate and possessions and belongings and such. But you can leave your son or daughter a legacy. And Moses reminds people in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 22. He is nearing the end of his life. And he is reminding them of the last 40 years that they have spent in the, de in the uh, wilderness. These words the Lord spoke unto all your assembly in the mount out of the midst of the fire of the cloud and of the thick darkness with a great voice. And he added no more. These words spoke they, spoke the Lord unto your assembly in the mount out of the midst of the fire and of the cloud and of the thick darkness. He is going back and he is reminding them that they have had an encounter with God. That the God of heaven and earth thought enough of you to speak into your life. And I don't have a whole lot of time left. And so when I'm, when I'm gone from this place, I want to remind you of what you heard that came out of the mount. When I came down from the mount, I want to remind you about his laws. I want to remind you about his teachings and the things that he has said unto us. Moses was reminding them that there was only one God and that they had had an encounter with him. Moses was leaving the children of Israel a legacy. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 29, the New Living Translation said, Oh, that they would always have hearts like this, that they might fear me and obey all my commands. If they did, they and their descendants would prosper forever. This is in the same chapter. And the legacy that Moses is leaving to them is him saying, if you will listen to what the Lord has given us instruction of, you will have success and you will prosper. Dads, it is imperative that we set our children up for success. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again in this context. They should never have it worse off than you. They should always have it better than you. They should see more success than you. They should have, uh, they should go further in life than you. They should have a better house than you. They should have more of this world without this world owning them than you. It is your responsibility to leave a legacy for your children. Now, you, you may not be able to do it. You may not be able to do it by leaving them, you know, a million dollars or five million dollars or ten million dollars. But you can do that. By helping them to be successful in life. And Moses said, if you're going to be successful, you're going to prosper. He said, you have to remember the words of the Lord. In chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must feel, fear the Lord your God as long as you live. 
If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. He is trying to instill in them, don't leave behind what we have learned and what we have been given from heaven. And if you will do that, you will have long life and it will go well with you and you will be successful and God will multiply you greatly. Jonathan Edwards was recognized in theological history as one of the greatest evangelists that ever walked the face of the earth in uh, a similar, uh, at least uh, the fairly modern era. And Jonathan Edwards was the one that when they asked him how he had such kind of great results in his ministry and how things went so well for him and why people were so moved at his preaching, he said, well, that's easy. He said, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. And people sometimes will look at a man like that and say, oh, well, he's just an ignorant preacher up there screaming his lungs out. He don't even know what he's doing. He couldn't do anything else in life, so he decided to preach the word of God and, and whatever. But out of this man's lineage, there are, 400 ans- there are 400 people in his lineage that can be traced, that came out of his loins. And out of those 400 people, 14 were college presidents, 100 were professors, 100 were preachers, missionaries, and theological teachers, and more than 100 were judges, lawyers, and six judges and lawyers, and 60s were doctors and editors. Don't tell me that being a godly dad and a godly father does not produce things out of your loins that can shake the world and change the world as we know it. Amen. So, dads, set yourself on fire of God. Let, let the fire of God burn in your life and let your children see it. Emphasize to them with your actions the importance of prayer. It don't matter if they're grown or not. They're still watching. Emphasize that prayer is important. Faithfulness to God is important. Tithes and offering are important. Treating your brother right is important. Worshiping God is important. Being moved by the presence of God. Always being teachable and moved by the presence of God is important. Our children are watching. Our kids already know that, that we aren't perfect. I think sometimes we get ashamed because we make a mistake as a, as a father and we, we worry where they, they've seen I'm not perfect. They know you're not imperfect. They, they don't care about that. What they want to know is are you sincere? And if they see your sincerity toward God, it's going to put something and instill something deep in their lives. We cannot allow the wives and the mothers to be the spiritual leaders of the household. Our sons and our daughters need to see that we have conviction. Dads need conviction. Dads need conviction. That's the legacy that we have to hand down to our kids. You can't teach what you don't know, and you can't give away what you don't have. But if you have conviction, you can put it in your sons and daughters. You say, well, my my son, he went rogue for a while. Well, the Bible says train up a child. 
And when he's old, he will not depart from it. And if you will continue to live as a godly father and a godly dad and never let them believe that church is not important, that God is not important, that prayer is not important, that giving is not important, then doing all the things that God's called us to do is not important. If you will continue to live as the godly dad that you are in front of your kids, they're going to see your mistakes and they're going to see that you're perfect, but they're also going to see you keep coming back to the altar to become a better version of what God has created you to be and what he has called you to be. Stand with me if you would. Deuteronomy 6 and 7 says this. When he's talking about the laws of Israel, he's talking about the commandments and everything that God said to them in the wilderness. This is what he said. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Repeat it to them again and again. If I get on my, my kids' nerves, which I, which I have, but if I do, in the past, in the present, or the future, I want it to be because I wouldn't quit talking about the Word of God. He just won't stop. He just keeps saying it again and again. He just keeps telling me, get your attitude right. Stay in the church. Be faithful. Be respectful to your elders. Stay under the altar. Don't quit praying. Read your Bible. Be faithful. Don't give up. Love God. Hate sin. Have conviction. Say it again and again and again. We are so desperate in this generation for godly dads. For men that will speak up. Because they're living right to be the example to their kids. I look around this room today and I'm so thankful for, for a backbone. This church has a backbone. And I'm going to say this. A preacher came to this church. I, I hadn't been the pastor here maybe two months. And he made a statement that shocked me and probably ticked a bunch of people off. But he was right at the time. And he, he looked around here and his church was in disarray and there was, there was people that were here that weren't supposed to be here and there was people that were trying to kill the pulpit and there was others that were trying to take over the pulpit and it, it, just, it just was a mess because some very bad things had happened. And the preacher was done preaching and he walked over and stood over there and I leaned over to him and I said, I don't think you're done yet. He looked at me. He said, I'm done. I said, I don't think you are. I said, you need to say whatever it is that the Lord's put in your spirit to say, no matter how bad it hurts our feelings. And he didn't even hesitate. He walked right up here and he grabbed this mic. He said, you know what I see around this building? It was dead quiet. He said, weak men. I see weak men. That's not the case today. The Lord has strengthened the men of this church, the Lord has brought men into this church that are God-fearing, that are determined we're going to make it to heaven. My family's going to heaven. We're going to live for God with everything in us, and we're going to do what's right. 
Father, I thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your power. I thank you. Would you pray with me right now? I pray that you would move upon every family. I pray that you'd move upon every father here today. I pray that your mighty anointing, Lord, would rest upon the broad shoulders of godly men in this place. I pray in the name of Jesus, oh God, that you would put an anointing on the men of this church, Lord, and give them wisdom that the whole counsel of God set upon them. I pray, Lord, that the knowledge of God would be imparted to them. That a fresh desire to serve you, Lord, would baptize them. In the name of the Lord God, I pray that you would help us to do your will, to be leaders, to be examples to our kids, our young people here in this church, our young men. I pray, Lord, that the elders would be the voice of encouragement that they would be the voice of affirmation to somebody that they would work on building the self-esteem of young men and middle-aged men, young boys in the name of the Lord, young ladies, God, that you would help us to put the right words in our, put the right words in our mouth, God, to help them understand they are beautiful, to affirm their chastity and their purity, to encourage them to keep themselves until marriage. In the name of the Lord God, I pray for a special anointing in this hour for the men of the church across the world that you would raise up godly dads that won't quit saying it again and again and again. Every command, every precept, every principle of the scripture, give us a strong backbone and broad shoulders, Lord, to do the will of God in this hour and in this age. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you just give our dads a good hand one more time? We love you. We honor you. We thank you for all that you do. May the blessings of the Lord be upon you. Amen. Amen. Now, listen carefully. Let me give you just a couple of things. Tonight is going to be um, different. It's going to be different going to be unusual, and it'll be fun. Um, it'll be more relaxed tonight, but I want you to come. I want you to come ready for prayer, and uh, I want you to come, you know, ready to worship. Just come with a Sunday night mindset. We're just doing something a little bit different. It's not, it's not a new format that we're, that we're doing from here on out. Don't, don't panic, but it really is something that that I felt in my spirit it needed to be done and it needed to be done tonight and um, and then let me say this uh, ladies when you come into the ladies restroom tonight the chairs back there will be missing uh, and the only reason for that is because of what we're doing here tonight those are the only chairs that we could use and that's not going to be it's not going to be a something that we do on a regular basis it probably will never happen again um, in in that way but, uh, but I want you to come, and uh, we're going to have a good time tonight. I want everybody to be here tonight. Uh, just a minute. Okay. Uh, is there anybody that was going to buy tickets? You've not bought them yet. You were going to buy them after church. Would you raise your hand? Okay, they've they've had they think pretty much everybody is going to buy has bought. All right, I don't see any hands. Do you have it? 